And now I'd like to invite to the stage someone who does it all, sings and prays and speaks. Please welcome Dr. Patrick Cameron. Good morning. I'm excited I get to go home and scrape that ice that I missed uh, the first. Uh, I know the rhythm. This is my 11th winter here. You don't scrape it now, you live with it for the next five months. So, Oh, I know there's ways to get rid of it. Sledgehammer. Propane torch. Anyway, welcome. We're going to uh, uh, invite you to sing a song with me called In This Very Room. The words will be behind me on the screen, and many of you know it. If you would prefer to stand and sing it with me, please feel free. If not, please stay seated. And then I will do an affirmative prayer uh, with for us. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so as we come together today, I recognize the one presence, the one life, the one power, that perfect life, God's life. And I turn to that and recognize my own union with it, that I've never been separate, none of us ever have. But many times it feels that way. And so I answer the call this day, and my first step is to step into that, the recognition of that one life, that all of the great avatars, spiritual masters down through the ages spoke of, the oneness of life, that heavenly Father, Mother God, that heaven is a, is a state of consciousness and an awareness. And so that awareness that we share together today is powerful and tangible. It is the power of the swarm of those of us coming together in agreement about an activity that is everywhere in general and nowhere in particular until we particularize it with our own awareness. And so calling it forth into my experience, your experience, and claiming our oneness with it, I know that everything necessary for you and I to experience, to express, to know, the guidance and the intuitive guidance, the intellectual understanding, and everything else upon that that serves the highest and best for ourselves and for one another, I know reveals itself in the right and perfect way at the right and perfect time. So I impress upon this, I stand in faith with you. I stand in love with you. And today, I declare this day, perfect in every way for the highest and best results for myself and everyone that is in agreement with this idea, this way of life. And for this I give thanks. Together we say, and so it is. Thank you, Brown. Thank you. And, Mar and Martin, wow. Just love that guy's voice. I'll be here at four o'clock if you're looking for me. 
I was, uh, I've been gone the last couple of weeks. I was in Minnesota, Minnesota, last week with my family of origin. I don't call it my home anymore. This is my home. But I have 10 brothers and sisters there. And let me tell you, it's still exciting to hang out with them. <laughs> Seven sisters, three brothers. And I got thinking about um, the work we've been doing, have been guiding at least my, my, my learning. This is always about learning for me as well. Uh, and it's been, um, you know, the spiritual path, the spiritual journey. We went home for, or to, to uh, Minnesota for my uh, niece's wedding, and it was a Catholic wedding. And I had, last time I was in a Catholic wedding was probably 10 years ago, and, uh, and it was a mass. And, uh, and, and, and we honor all traditions, so I, I don't bring this up in any way to, uh, to be a critical. But it was just interesting to be part of that experience again and to realize um, that, you know, for us, when we celebrate a wedding, we really celebrate the wedding. I did one yesterday. As a matter of fact, it was wonderful. It's just beautiful. But the emphasis there was really on um, the Mass. And it was, just, it was just different. I'm just used to a little more around the wedding. And so... Uh, but I realized that what was going on there is that for, for that particular um, tradition, the Mass truly is the way that they come to union and recognition and oneness. So why wouldn't it be as just as we do? They're doing the same thing. They just, they, their pathway and their traditions are just different. And so I thought, well, it's, it's interesting. And it's good to go back home and see how, how things uh, are shaping up. And I want you to know that, that everything that people were upset about four years ago when I was back there, they're still angry about. So I know what's happening now. And I know the stories. So, and the great thing is I can just go back and love them. I just go from house to house and I know all the stories, but I don't share any of it with anybody because it's none of my business. And I just love them. And so it's, they're great, it's great spiritual practice. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to... And for me, the great uh, lesson is that, that we all shift and change or we all deepen or grow in our, own, in our own way. And no one can force us to do that. It really comes out of our own desire for change. So I, I came across a poem by David White that I... I and I've, I've known this poem for a number of years. And it's one of my favorites. And in spending time with my family and then thinking about this spiritual partnership, at the end of the day, the commonality of all of it is love. When I go home and I can just be the presence of love, and, and for me, my own journey has given me a spaciousness in my own way of being to realize that I, I can't, nor can I fix anything for anybody else. So I'm there to be a, a support in and, and love. And so I want to share this uh, poem with you. It's called The House of Belonging, because I think for us, the spirit, myself, what I know is that what my spiritual path has done for me has given me a greater sense of belonging. And, it's, and, and so that's become real in my life. And so I, I want to step off there with you in, in uh, a bit of poetry. And David White wrote this when he was going through some tremendous transitions in his life. There were a lot of changes going on for him. He says, I awoke this morning in the gold light, turning this way and that, thinking for a moment it was one day like any other. But the veil had gone from my darkened heart, and I thought, it must have been the quiet candlelight that filled my room. It must have been the first easy rhythm with which I breathed myself to sleep. It must have been the prayer I said speaking to the otherness of the night. And I thought, this is a good day. This is a good day. You could meet your love. This is a black day. Someone close to you could die. 
This is the day you realize how easily the thread is broken between this world and the next. And I found myself sitting up in the quiet pathway of light, the tawny closed grain cedar burning around me like fire, and the angels of this housely heaven ascending through the first roof of light the sun had made. This is the bright house in which I live. This is where I ask my friends to come. This is where I want to love all the things that has taken me so long to learn to love. This is the temple of my adult aloneness and I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. There is no house like the house of belonging. And so he's talking in in, in various degrees there about the spiritual journey that each day could be a good day could be a black day. And that, it, that veil, Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, used to talk about how thin the veil was between this, this world and the next. He was doing a talk in Whittier a number of years ago, um, just prior to him making his transition. And he had a mystical experience, and they captured it on tape, and he talked about how thin the veil was. But all great poets are writing from that mystical voice. And that's what I love about poetry. I'm always just I'm, and, and there's so many layers to it because it is, it's sort of like looking at a mandala. It, you, you really can't figure out a mandala out, but it's a sacred piece of art that, t- that takes you into the interior of yourself in different ways. And so I always find it quite wonderful to, ha- to be able to experience that. So we've been talking about spiritual partnership. And for me, spiritual partnership is learning to love in a new way. And that's why I thought this poem was so, so beautiful and, and wonderful. The spiritual partnership that Gary Zukov is calling, uh, in, in referring to in his book, Spiritual Partnership, The Journey of Authentic Power, is the commitment, he said it requires, number one, commitment, and number two, courage. And there's Dr. Gans, he would know. You probably work with a few people that require commitment and courage, huh? And the commitment, as he said, is, is to make the number one commitment in our lives, our spiritual growth, our spiritual growth. Fear. And fear is a very popular idea. And we see a lot of it. And when I, when I was reminded of it so beautifully when I went home and spent time with my family, Dr. Holmes used to say that, that, that there's a, if we imagine um, a long pole here, and on one end of the pole is love or faith, and on the other end of the pole is fear. See, we're all, we all have commitment. Every one of us has commitment in our lives. If you want to know where your commitment is, just look at your life. What does your life look like? Because we're all using this divine intelligence. We talk about the law of attraction. We talk about the law of cause and effect. But wherever we are in our life, we're using the law of commitment. So where are you? Anybody want to offer up a suggestion where you are in your life with the law of commitment? I know I got something down there. There it is. Okay, no suggestions. All right. Does everyone here have all of the resources they need in their lives to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it? Oh, okay. So, so where you are with that and where I am with that, because if I were to say, you know, if you do raise your hand, I wouldn't be raising my hand either. I just want to let you know, but I'm just asking for a point of reference. But so, so where you are with that, where I am with that is my level of commitment. It's a reflection of my commitment. And so part of the, the spiritual journey is making it the number one priority in our life so that we can help continue to shift consciousness. But Excuse me, paradoxically, it's not about having things. The spiritual journey is not about having things. It's actually about getting rid of things. 
It's not acquiring. And that's, and that's the, the uh, difference that Zukov talks about this week in these chapters I was looking at. Because it's the, the spiritual journey, we can be on that path or we can be about external power. And external power, I'm going to expand on that a little bit today. So we're all committed to something. I, when I was in the States, I noticed there's an election going on. Anybody aware of that besides me? It's an election that's been happening for two years. And it's, um, it's fascinating, and it's, you know, some great, I don't know if it's great conversation, but it's a lot of conversation, because the, the, the feeling, there's a lot of people that are very committed that if this one particular person gets elected, and there's one over here, and there's one over there, that we will either maintain the status quo, or the new person will, will change the status quo, but, but it's all about exterior power, and it's all, you know, it's also so subjective. And it's not a good or bad thing. It's just a reflection of where we are because all of us, myself included, I'd much rather have somebody do this for me. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be great we just elect the one right and perfect person and we could all just hang out and, and coast? But it doesn't work that way. It never has and it never will. But it's always interesting to watch this idea and how entrenched people get. And, and there are, there are there's so many layers to that, I won't even go there. But what I do know is it's a beautiful example of, of external power. And ultimately, it's a dead end for all of us. There has to be something more interesting and more tangible. Why do we come together on a Sunday? We get together here. And, and for me, I love, uh, I'm so grateful to have this teaching in my life. I'm so grateful to, I'm so grateful that when I was a young man, and I, I looked around me and I saw what was available and I thought, I know there's something different. There's something other, there's something more interesting that I think I'd, I'd like to explore. And, and this teaching and, and the teachers that I've met along the way and the mentors and the love that I received and continue to receive. And, uh, you know, and, and many times the love that I received when I didn't think I deserved love has anyone ever had that experience? Somebody showed up and loved you when you didn't think you deserved love? It's quite a humbling, wonderful experience. But, but it was my journey, and I, there was something that called me to, to, to do this, and so I, I just think it's a, it's a wonderful idea because I get, I get caught in the traps of external power as well. So, but, but what Zukov says is without our commitment to love, you cannot choose love when you become frightened. You just get frightened. And that's, that's part of choosing an intentional life. Process A is that everyone is becoming, as he talks about in this book, process A is that people are becoming more and more intuitive, and it's the nature of the culture. Everyone is. Whether they're spiritual or not spiritual. Everyone's spiritual, by the way, because that's what animates life, but some people aren't aware of it. But the second piece is people choose. They choose. And when we choose, we start to, to step into co-creation. And when we choose love, we step into the, the vibration of the most high, which is spirit. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's an animating force there. See, anything that is, that is not in alignment with that will collapse. And if you look through history, that's what's happened with civilizations, with armies, with tyrants, and because it's not sustainable, because it's, out of, it's not congruent with what the, the essence of life is. And for many of us, it's sorrowful because, because we see so much suffering that goes on as it, as it implodes. So we're here to choose. And if we choose love, it's a language. We're here, as David White said, to learn how to love. And I'm so grateful for this house. 
not this physical form, but the consciousness of this movement that has allowed me to learn how to love so that when I, go, when I leave here and I go home to my brothers and sisters, <laughs> and for me it looks like the same dance. It could be a totally different dance for them. But it's a, it's a, the, the themes are very similar. And so for me to be able to stand there with them and just love them, despite what's happening, uh, it gives me a place to stand. And, they, and I know that it, 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 it's a benefit. But there's that part of me that wants the external power to fix them. And that's not my job. Don't you, doesn't it drive you crazy when you know how to fix somebody and they won't take your advice? <laughs> Give me 15 minutes with you and I'll straighten you right out. <laughs> we'll tune you up. Come on over here. Sit down for a second. It just doesn't work. We have to do our own learning. But what's inspired me is to have people around me that were courageous enough to make the commitment that they made their spiritual practice a priority in their lives and that they were willing to explore and examine the status quo of their own thinking so that they could learn to love in a new way. But I got to tell you, it takes courage to do it. My hat's off to you. I get God bumps just saying it. I do. It's not easy work. It's so easy to, to slide back into, you know, the, I mean, they, there they go doing it again. We were trying to get a picture taken. We don't have a picture of my four brothers, me and my three other brothers. And somebody said, let's get a picture of you guys. We had no pictures of us. Because two of my brothers just hate each other. Well, that would be my characterization. It's probably a much deeper resentment going on for them, but I would stop at hate. And so he said, come on, let's take a picture. And I'm the one brother, the youngest, who's got all the, all the, you know, he's carrying all of it. And he, come on, let's go get Paul. Let's go get your picture taken. Oh, all right. So we got our picture taken. God, I don't know that. You know, I don't know the history. You know, the thing about being in a big family like that, you have to, you, you learn how to adapt. I remember as a kid that we would always be out playing and somebody was always getting hurt. And then somebody would get elected to go in and tell mom because usually they were hurt pretty bad. So somebody would say, are you going to go tell her? And then, no, you tell her. No, it's your turn to tell her. No, you go tell her. And usually I would end up having to go tell her because I was right at that age. And so I remember I'd go in one, I went in one time and I said, mom, mom, run in. And she's standing there and I said, uh, do you remember Paul? And she'd look at me and say, remember Paul, this morning, remember when Paul got up and his arm went like that? It's not doing that anymore. So, I know you're really busy, and you're going to be running around, running errands, going to the grocery store and things like that, so maybe you could drop Paul off at the hospital on your way. <laughs> but see, this is good training when you're little. You know, you, you learn to think on your feet. Break the news to your mom with great love. And she's still going strong. She's, not, she's going to be 90 in uh, July, ja, uh, January. I'll let her know. Yeah, yeah. Her short term, she can tell me what I had lunch in grade three uh, on, a, on a, the first Tuesday, but she doesn't quite remember um, all the kids anymore. And we we'll have to remind her. But, uh, you know, that's part of that whole pro- that process of letting go. But without the commitment to love, we can't choose love because we don't know what it is and we're not committed to going in that direction. And the, and the other piece of it is, is that the, the determination, the love, what the love does is the determination to live from the healthiest parts of our being. So when we have more joy, we have less pain. When we have more meaning, we have less emptiness. When we have more love, we have less fear. And, and this is common sense. But that is spiritual practice. 
So learning to distinguish fear from love, then you can choose love and choose it at the times when you don't want to choose it, which really requires courage when it's so tempting to, to pull up the old resentments and say, you know, I'm not going to go there. Zukov talks about the power of that. When all of a sudden we're ready to step back into that external power and then all of a sudden to say, no, not doing that. Not doing it. Not going there. And that's learning to distinguish the fear, choosing the love, and the courage to make different choices, which changes everything. It's powerful. Just a simple act of stopping ourselves. It's so powerful. And I think sometimes we think we have to, you know, fix all the world's problems. There's, there's, four, there's four practices he talks about, and I don't know, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to flesh one of them out, and I said I'm going to be gone next week, but I'll be gone the, back the following week, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll finish up these ideas, because they're wonderful ideas. And we also have a special uh, treat that I'm going to uh, start a, um, um, today, a special event around spiritual partnership, because spiritual partnership is really around coming together and commitment to, to, for one another's growth and happiness and to be there with one another and do the deep inquiry. So the first practice around this, Zukov says, is to focus on what we can learn about, uh, learn about ourselves all the time. What can I learn about myself all the time? Not just when I'm in the class or not when I'm just in the center, but all the time. And the way, he said to look at our reactions, such as anger, fear, jealousy, resentment, and impatience, instead of, and instead of judging or blaming others or myself, Allow ourselves to be flexible and limber. It does not serve any good purpose to continue to judge ourselves. And, and yet it's such a, po- a popular and powerful idea. The, s- the second one, and I'll, I'll expand on these, as I say, in a couple of weeks, is to pay attention to our emotions, to how we're feeling. Why am I feeling this way? What triggers me? To stop when we're having those experiences. Next one is to pay attention to my thoughts. Where is my thought going? What is my thought tendency? And the fourth is to pay attention to my intention. What do I intend? What do I intend? Not somebody else. Not getting distracted by all that. He says to evacuate as deeply as you can to find your intention before you act and the consequences that it creates He said, for all of us to dig deeper before the next time we act. What are we acting from? The consciousness we're operating from. Dr. Ernest Holmes used to say that the answer to the prayer is in the prayer. He understood that consciousness precedes experience. And so when we do the work, when we bring the awareness, and that is the stopping ourselves, as I've said many times, one of my favorite Ernest Holmes quotes is, we must look at a thing long enough till it has no more power over us. How do we do that? We catch ourselves, and it's practice. It's practice, practice, practice. Just like any other art. Martin learning how to play the guitar, write a song, Tom playing the bass, Brown playing the keyboards. It, they didn't just decide to play the keyboards and get up and play them. It takes practice. And if our spiritual practice is our priority in our lives, then all of a sudden we start catching ourselves. And then that practice becomes a way of life. And that's the beauty. See, I, I was, I was uh, when I go look at my, my brothers and sisters, the, 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 I see myself. That's, what I, that's all I knew. And so when I, when, I, when I started on my spiritual journey, I realized, well, I, wanted, I don't want to do that anymore. I'd like something different. And what I ended up doing was I ended up actually teaching what I needed to learn, which is usually what teachers do. If you want to learn something, teach it. And I really get the, the impact of that now. 
So, so the great gift in all of that is, is, the, is the, the uh, they got me launched. And I mean, that's how I look at it. They don't look at me uh, getting me launched, but that's how I look at it. My, uh, when Laura and I were there, my nephew Carter was there. He's three and a half. And he's, in, he's going on nine. He's my brother John's uh, son. And uh, they, have, they have their routine in the, in, every morning that Laura and I have memorized now. And, uh, but he goes to Montessori school. And at Montessori school, my brother was telling me that he said, this, he said, this guy, he said, he knows how to dress himself. I we bought him a little union suit at the, uh, uh, with, a, with a trap door at the Edmonton airport. It's got a moose on the, the back. It's moose caboose on it. And so I brought it and he put it on. But he, he, got, he got into it no problem. And my brother looked at me and said, yeah, he learns that at school. He said, I was 14 before I learned how to dress myself. I said, yeah, me too. I grew up in the same family. <laughs> but, but Carter, he's in this Montessori. So we went to Montessori and he said, and my brother said, I was going to help him take his coat off. He said, don't touch him. They don't let you do that here. I said, oh. So I backed off. He does, he does it all himself. Takes his shoes off, puts his little slippers on, and no parents go in the classroom. And they do all their own stuff. He says, if they catch you taking this coat off, they'll come out and chew us out. I said, okay. But I thought, isn't it interesting to, to create an environment of learning and, and a richness in that? We, we babysat him uh, one night, Laura and I. And uh, I said, okay, so Jamie's going at 7, and at 7.30 he goes to sleep, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And so my brother called about 10.30 and said, how's he doing? I said, he's still going strong, waiting for you to get home. So... <laughs> I've read him every Curious George book there is. But it was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun. But to watch, you know, to watch how, when you get, that, when you get started that way in certain ways, you know, I just, it's just interesting. We're so adaptable. So now his commitment, his way of being for Carter is, you know, he, he, you know, he knows he gets up and he brushes his teeth and he does everything. I mean, he's just trained. And it's such a great example for us or for myself of you can learn any proficiency. You can learn any practice by, by engaging in it. So this is a celebration this month of spiritual partnership. And two of our members that I'm, I just adore uh, recently went down to Nicaragua and were legally married. But I said to them, well, we need to do this here for you. So what I'm going to invite um, these two beautiful people to do is come forward and we're going to spiritual partnerize them with a short little ceremony. I pulled the vows out of my ceremony. I'm going to invite Rania and Thomas to come up. And they, got, they both got dressed up today. You look lovely. <laughs> you guys are the best. Come here. Stay right here. Stay right here. I got it right here. All right. We're going to, it'll take a few minutes. I want to do it now because it's, just, it's, a, it, it's a fun celebration. Yeah. And it speaks to how we approach uh, marriage. There won't be a mass in the middle of this. Just it'll be a ceremony. All right, you guys, you look lovely. Thank you for, they said to me, we want your blessing in this. I said, sure, we can do that. So will you, Verania, and you, Thomas, bring the very best that you are into this marriage, into this spiritual partnership for your own sake and for the sake of one another? Will, will you not only commit to being one another's companion in marriage, but also spiritual partners? To partner in your spiritual growth, to commit to creating authentic power, individually and in your marriage to support one another in facing your fears and healing the source of them so that your love and commitment to one another creates fulfillment, gratitude, vitality, creativity, and joy. That your love for each other is in perfect harmony for what your soul intends. 
that in aligning your love with your soul, you create a new star with which you two navigate your life together, a journey of harmony, cooperation, sharing, and a reverence for life. Will you do that? Awesome, beautiful. All right, so I'm gonna step down here so everybody can see you two. You two stand right here in the light, okay? Will you please join hands and face one another? Perfect. All right, so Thomas, you take Veranya, whose hands you hold, choosing her alone to be your wedded wife. Do you promise to, work, to live with her, talk to her, love her, comfort her, work with her, play with her, honor her at all times, and be faithful to her? I do. Sweet. <laughs> and Veranya, do you take Thomas, whose hands you hold, choosing him alone to be your wedded husband? Do you promise to live with him, talk to him, love him, comfort him, work with him, play with him, honor him at all times, and be faithful to him. Okay. So Thomas, please repeat after me. Varanya, I take you as my beloved wife and dearest friend and spiritual partner. Varanya, I take you as my beloved wife and dearest friend and spiritual partner. I promise to share my life openly with you. I promise to share my life openly with you. And to speak the truth to you in love. And speak the truth to you in love. I promise to honor you. I promise to honor you. And to tenderly care for you. Tenderly care for you. From this day forward. From this day forward. I promise to cherish you. I promise to cherish you. And to encourage your own fulfillment. To encourage your own fulfillment. And peace. And peace. Through all the changes of our lives. Through all the changes of our lives. And what gift do you give Varanya as a symbol of your love and commitment? I have a ring. Awesome. Now I'm going to ask you both to touch that ring. Place a finger on it. And this ring represents the eternality of life with no beginning and no end. It also represents the eternality of your life. Love for one another. So we ask God to bless this ring. Bless Thomas who will give it and Varanya who will wear it. So Thomas, as you place this ring upon Varanya's finger, please repeat after me. I give this ring to you from my heart. I give this ring to you from my heart. With it, I pledge to you the treasures of my mind. With it, I pledge to you the treasures of my mind. My body. My body. And my soul. And my soul. I give you my trust. I give you my trust. My tomorrows. My tomorrows. And ask you to accept me as your husband. And ask you to accept me as your husband. Beautiful. All right. Now, Varanya, please repeat after me. Thomas, I take you as my beloved husband and dearest friend. Thomas, I take you as my beloved husband and dearest friend. And spiritual partner. And a spiritual partner. Do you notice these each, they each have an accent, if you haven't noticed? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just letting people know, just in case. It's, it's charming. <laughs> I promise. I'm sorry. I promise to share my life openly with you. I promise to share my life openly with you. And to speak the truth to you in love. And to speak the truth to you in love. I promise to honor you. I promise to honor you. And to tenderly care for you. And to tenderly care for you. From this day forward. From this day forward. I promise to cherish you. I promise to cherish you. And to encourage your own fulfillment. And to encourage your own fulfillment. And peace. And peace. Through all the changes of our lives. Through all the changes of our lives. And what gift do you give Thomas as a symbol of your love and commitment? Ring! Awesome. (laughs) 
a ring. I'm going to ask you both once again to place a finger on the ring. This ring represents the joy, the eternality of spirit and of God. Oh, we got a good sidelines for Laura. There we go. No beginning and no end. So we ask God to bless this ring once again. Bless Thomas, uh, Varanya who gives it and Thomas who will wear it. And Varanya, as you put this ring upon Thomas's finger, please repeat after me. I give this ring to you from my heart. I give this ring to you from my heart. With it, I pledge to you the treasures of my mind. With it, I pledge to you the treasures of my mind. My body. My body. And my soul. And my soul. I give you my trust. I give you my trust. My tomorrows. My tomorrows. And ask you to accept me as your wife. And ask you to accept me as your wife. Beautiful. Inasmuch as you, Verani, and you, Thomas, have contended together in this union of marriage and spiritual partnership, and have declared your sacred promises to each other in the presence of God and all these wonderful people, and have pledged your constancy and love for each other, I now pronounce you husband and wife, spiritual partners, and sweethearts. <laughs> you may now kiss each other. <laughs> See? Isn't that nice? You didn't know you were coming to a wedding today, did you? So I'm very delighted to be, to be the first one to announce to this co the community Mr. and Mrs. Thomas and Veranya Owlswede. Ooh, well done. Got it, man. I've been practicing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Thomas and Veranya came to me and said, you know, we'd like to do this. So we're doing spiritual partnership. Let's do it. And here we are, so thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for your patience um, in allowing me to do that. So at the end of the day, and, and we'll continue to, to explore the ideas around spiritual partnership, but it really is about a commitment to our spiritual practice. It's about a commitment to love. And you know, I, I'm, I just, I have been away two weeks. It seems like I've been gone forever. But what I know is that this is the bright house in which I live with you. We find our, you know, we find our members of our families as we move along, and this is the bright house of the, 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 the house in which I live, which is the consciousness that we represent. And this is where I, and we invite our friends, this is Bring a Friend Sunday, but this is where we invite our friends to come and be with us in spiritual community and in love. This is where I want to love all the things it has taken me so long to learn to love. So I, I thank you for the, from the bottom of my heart what your love and support and, and beauty and, and challenges and all the things that have helped shape my consciousness. And you do, that, you do that for others and you do it for yourself. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for allowing us to, to, to share in this beautiful ritual that, that, that this community celebrates with you. And, um, and that, that, you know, we are here to love. And what keeps us from doing that? What keeps us from really putting down those biases and those restrictions and those, and those obstacles to love? And whatever it is, it's okay. We just don't have to keep doing it. We just don't have to keep doing it. This is our opportunity today. None of us are stuck. And the best is yet to come. So it is. Blessings. <laughs> <laughs>